0: Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. Pastor Keith, how you doing? Nate G, what's up, brother? How you doing? <laughs> I am good. I am good.
1: Uh, you know what, man? After all these times, every time I see you, a lot of times it's Nate G. That's because someone had whispered in my ear and told me, that you used to rap back in the day. So I don't know when they told me that. I'm like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to call him Nate Dogg. What, what was your rap name, Nate? I need to know.
0: We, uh, we don't talk about that. You know, that, <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just spill a secret to the people that was supposed to be, you know, it wasn't supposed to come out, but here it is. And what are we going to do about it now, you know? <laughs>
1: It was kitchen conversation. I feel you. Okay, my bad. No, we can we can strike we can strike that from the record.
0: It's good. (laughs) If if we're gonna talk about it though, then we're just gonna have you and I are just gonna have to collab on a mixtape one day, bro. Put it out.
1: Let's go. Let's go, and let's see what let's see let's get the people what they want. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what people want it, but we'll put it out there, and we'll just see if God graces it. Amen. <laughs> you, you've heard it here, church. You've heard it here. Nate and I are going to do a mixtape together. Boom. That's it. That's your exclusive. That's what you get when you when you dial into After the Message. You get exclusive updates.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. So we're back in quarantine. Uh, kind of something yeah. that you know we didn't think we'd be doing, but you kind of touched oh. on it a little bit on Sunday, and just. Um, just we kind of thought it was the right thing to do, right? And, and yeah, can you kind of explain the thought process behind that a little bit more?
1: For sure, man. I think it's um, you know, and and as I said in in the message, and and far be it for me to kind of like reference myself in the message that just seems kind of weird, but like the motivation behind the message is what we're talking about now, and that's the reality of like, okay, yeah, we wanna we wanna gather, and and as you guys know as a staff, let we started back in our offices and, and working together and all those things but then once you start to see like the spike and and the cases hit and then you begin to kind of sense that man is hitting close to home my, my daughter got it and people on our staff got it and you just start to see like okay this is a this is a real thing and and thankfully there's no one that was super close to us that have like lost their lives which are seeing the the effects that it have and still trying to figure out the long-term impact it's really like man like Are we really in a position where we're prepared to move forward while it seems as if the virus is still continuing to peak? So I feel like we just, I I felt inside of my heart more than anything, I just didn't want to go at a pace that was quicker than what I felt like God was giving us. So a statement that I often will say is like, you don't want to outpace God. And I really felt like, okay, like I felt like we had a good plan. But as I was looking at some things, I'm like, I mean, are we outpacing God? And, And quite honestly, Nate, I can't say yes or no to that. I just know that i gotta believe that if we pause and slow down just a little bit and take inventory of where we are, we lose nothing, but if we rush to get out there too soon and and there's like ripple effects that could affect people's health um health rather um that's that's a price that I'm not willing to pay for our church or for our staff. so I'd much rather slow down, be a little bit more cautious, optimistic, but faithful um and then move at a pace that I believe um that I think that God's grace is in and here's what I'll also say, man, and then we can move on is that um is that it's it's a uh, their Bible says that there's a a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So far be it for me to kind of sit on a throne and make all decisions. So for me, it's really like, Hey, here's what I'm feeling. What is some of our staff feeling? Okay. Also what are some people in our community feeling looking and taking into consideration? What is the city saying, looking and seeing what my oversight feels about it. And then I'll curate all that, pray about it. And then Megan and I together will say, Hey, I think that this is our best next step. So um, it's not like we're just sitting in the room by ourselves, like, but we're really trying to engage the community as much as possible to hopefully make decisions that's best for everybody. But, um, but yeah, it was hard because God knows I wanted to see our staff again um, beyond just Zoom calls, and I certainly want to be around our community again, and we will. Um, but I just don't think we can outpace God on this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I mean, personally, I think it was the right move. You know, just from my perspective. It just seemed like there was too much uncertainty and and too many, too many variables to kind of move forward, you know? So I, you know, as much as it, as much as it does suck, it's just probably the right thing to do. And, and like you said, just kind of take, take a step back a little bit. So you will be proud of me though, because uh, when we found out we were kind of going back to quarantine, Jen and I, we uh, were heard from a friend that they did like the the Marvel uh, chronological order uh, watch. Nate, don't don't you say it. So we started doing it, man. And oh. yeah,
1: that makes me so
0: happy. Yeah, like, bro.
1: Like, like I don't. There's 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 these things that when I get passionate about it, I just want everybody to be on the journey with me. It <laughs> it oozes out in my messages, so you guys will hear me talking about barbecuing. And all that stuff. There's illustrations coming soon. We're gonna have like I'm I, like my life is whatever I'm passionate about. Jesus, barbecue, Marvel. People just got to get on board. So hearing you say that, man, it literally fills my heart with joy. Like, if you would have told me that a family member got saved, I'm excited. You just told me that you're watching Marvel. It's like right here. Like I'm 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 super excited.
0: So oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been it's been fun, and it actually does it does time the story so much better and you're able to to understand so much better, like what's going on and all that stuff. So it's been cool. But um, kind of the first, (laughs) the first thing that, that I wanted to get some more information on, even for me personally was we kind of talked about the context a little bit at the beginning of the uncharted message on Sunday. Mm -hmm. How did Paul get here? Like what's going on? Why is he being shipped away and where's he going and, and all that? Do you have, do you have some more context, historical context on that? Like why is Paul in this predicament in the first place?
1: Absolutely, man. So, so when, um, when Pastor Charlie was here and we sat together and did our message um, in the same series, we talked about calling and we kind of referenced Paul's calling. So, you know, Paul had a history of being a very devout follower of, of Jehovah or or you know so that was that was the way of of Yahweh that was that he was a devout follower of that what we would consider to be um, Pharisees at the time so very astute very well learned and you know and if you and if you're you know I don't know the degree of all of our engagement for our audience but um, people will often hear us talk about Paul and Paul said and Paul wrote and, and I know early in my faith I'm like man why why is Paul such a big deal like what why like who's Paul like I thought yeah. we were here for Jesus so The reason why Paul is so significant is because once you kind of get into Acts chapter nine and you see that moment where he has this encounter with Jesus and this passion that he has gets redirected into the kingdom context. um, One of the things I'll say, and this is like my little soapbox and then we'll move on. I promise I'm going to answer your question. Um, But a lot of times when we're reading in the Bible and we see that part about Paul um, having his encounter with Jesus, it's often listed in the little headings in our Bibles as Paul's conversion. Here's what I truly believe. If you were to have a conversation with Paul, he would not have said that he had a conversion, like a radical change in faith. He would have he would have actually defined it more as a fulfillment because from his standpoint, I was believing in Yahweh, the creator of the universe. And so now I have a better revelation that Jesus is Yahweh incarnate in flesh. So it wasn't so much like he had to change his beliefs theologically. It was just understanding that Jesus was the fulfillment of it. So he was able to easily leverage what he already knew, take that same passion, and then shift it in a direction that could hopefully enlighten his Pharisee brothers and sisters, but then also reach the world. So, um, so when he has this encounter with Jesus, Jesus makes it clear to him, I'm going to call you to go and take this message um, all abroad. But one of the statements that was said is that the many things you're going to have to suffer for the gospel, um, Paul was 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 present when the first martyr was killed Paul even says of himself that he was very approving in the early church when people were being killed because that was what that's what you did when you were a follower of Yahweh and a false belief came in and if it was beginning to encroach on the people of Israel you you killed them, you stoned them. like that was not like I know it sounds harsh for us but that was just part of the culture back then so in his mind he was doing what he felt he should be doing wow. But when he when he shifted directions and now he was preaching the same jesus that um that he once was killing people for understandably the people that he was once in alignment with as the pharisees they were like what happened to paul i thought he was one of us but now it looks like he's one of them so now they were like okay so paul was very influential incredibly intelligent was able to speak greek was a roman citizen was jewish like he had all these things that he curated so now he was a significant threat to Sustaining the the Pharisee belief system. Um, so the moment that he starts preaching Jesus like it's a problem because he's getting converts because he's able to speak the language that the um, that The Jewish folks would understand. So we fast forward. So every time he would speak people get saved. So they were trying to find ways to trap him. Same way they did with Jesus. But when he came into any place and he would preach they would cause major uproars and it would cause borderline riots, not riots in the sense that we think about it, but it just people are excited because you got folks who are for it, other folks who are against it, and it would cause some confusion. So they use that as a, basically as a legal case to say that he was a troublemaker and that he was creating riots. So he gets arrested. I believe it's in Acts 21 or 22, but he gets okay. arrested. and And that's kind of what starts the whole process of same thing with Jesus. Okay. Now that we've arrested him, let's do our best um, to see if we can execute them. But the problem is, because Paul was able to speak Greek, because Paul was a Roman citizen, and because he was also Jewish, he was able to appeal to different people, depending on who the audience was. So when he was being passed around from one court to another, he was like, well, I appeal to Caesar. Well, they are like, well, wait a minute, how do you appeal to Caesar? Well, I'm a Roman citizen. Oh man, like we didn't know you're a Roman citizen. Well yeah, as a Roman citizen, then you have rights. So Paul was able, this is why when he says all things to all men that I might win some, mm-hmm. he was able to leverage all of his experiences in an effort of reaching people because he could speak their language. So that's how Paul ends up in the ship is because he appealed to Caesar, because as a Roman citizen, he had a right to plead his case before Caesar. Um, and so that kind of kicks off the okay, well, let's put him on a boat. And then we kind of jump into our narrative. So I know that's a long explanation and I couldn't put all that into the message, but that's kind of how we ended up here is that he appealed to Caesar. Jesus said that you're going to preach this gospel in Rome. And now here we are on this boat.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good context. And I've been doing a little bit of reading about him on my own too uh, mm-hmm. with N.T. Wright. And he kind of explains what you alluded to um, how Paul understood the scriptures, you know like mm-hmm. Paul, Paul knew the Torah, Paul was well versed in the prophets and and all that literature, so mm-hmm. he for him uh meeting Jesus was like a light bulb in a sense, and yep. so he was able to look back at all the things that he already uh that he already knew and then mm-hmm. able to uh contextualize it and then you know disperse that information to people like like the Jews like no 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 this is what you're reading when you yeah. when you're reading this in Isaiah it's talking about Jesus yeah. so so true um it's actually kind of encouraging to me because i think about man people that memorize the torah they still were confused so when i get confused about scripture sometimes i can get really frustrated like why don't i understand mm-hmm. this this is or why isn't it easier to understand you know what mm-hmm. i mean And and so it's actually kind of, it's in a weird way, it's comforting because, uh, it's like, okay, well, there were people that, that Mm. literally had this stuff memorized and they still needed to have their eyes open. And I think that kind of points to the Holy spirit and the power of the gospel in the first place. Like you, you have to have God's intervention in order for you to even understand these types of things. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is the one who's, who's drawing us to Christ. And, and so it's what you're saying is, is dead on, man. Like, I think there's a part where we can intellectually try to engage the scripture as much as we can. And I think that discipline is, is honoring to God. And I believe that God breathes on it. However, I think the next step is if we are not reliant on the Holy Spirit, we can be endeavoring in an intellectual thing that we can have answers, but we don't have revelation. And I think, unfortunately, that's the part that happened. This is why scripture says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You have, like Jesus even says to the Pharisees, like you look, you search the scriptures, believing that they have life, but basically life is right in front of you because that's me. Like there were people who were so immersed in exclusively reading the scriptures that they were missing what the spirit of God was revealing, which was Jesus. Mm -hmm. So um, I I agree that there is this balance that I think Paul beautifully illustrates with being a person who was well-versed in scriptures has this encounter with Jesus, but is also very dependent on the spirit. So I think he's a prototype of a person who you, you can have a, I'll just put it out there like this. You can have a very checkered ratchet past, God is able to redeem it, even use those experiences. And now you're able to take that past, speak a language, speak a context that's helpful for others. So I think practically speaking for people like you or me, Nate, whether it be um, my, my hip hop background or just my, my, my street background and whatever that looks like, that's a language that I was able to accumulate through the years. So now when I'm speaking to people who are where I was, I can speak to them the truth, but in a tone and in a way that they understand it in the same way of the journey that you've been on, you're able to present Jesus in a tone in a way that people understand it. So Paul is a prototype of how do you take your collection of experiences and presence Jesus in it. So that's why I think it's important for us to understand that we're not supposed to separate ourselves from our past so much because God can redeem it if we presence Jesus in it and saying, Hey, I was, but now I am. And that's the same way that the way that you are, God can conform conform you as well. So that's what I think Paul's an encouragement of. Like he literally was responsible for people being arrested and killed for following the same person that he just is giving his life to. Yeah. You can't imagine how how challenging it is to say, yeah, I used to actually arrest people who were doing what I'm doing right now, but then also use that same testimony to speak a word that can encourage the people who were still arresting folks and saying, I was doing what you were once were doing, but there's a better way. Let me show you who Jesus is. So um, yeah. that gets me fired up because, because of the grace of God that is able to redeem our past and move us to our future.
0: Yeah. Why do you, why do you think that there was so much pushback, like if, if it was a better way, you know, and yeah. And literally called the way, like, why was it so much pushback? Was it just because this is what we've always known? It's comfortable? I mean, mm-hmm. wh- wh-
1: why was that? And I think it's, um, when, you, when you understand like the narrative, specifically the pushback in the context of Paul, and most of his pushback had nothing to do with like Rome. It was, it was the religious folks. The religious folks were the ones who did the most pushback. And I think that there's no irony in that. And, and I'll explain why. So for the religious folks, specifically the Pharisees, like you have like the end of the prophetic era. So you, you have the end of that. And then now you have what we call 400 years of prophetic silence, where the prophet, the one who was basically a conduit speaking the word of God, like they, they ultimately went silent for 400 years leading up into um, John the Baptist and then Jesus. Mm-hmm. So now you're having all these different folks that are like, okay, so how do we carry on the legacy of our faith? How do we preserve it? This is how you kind of begin to see like, okay, so how did synagogues get birthed? Because when you read the end of the Old Testament, there were no synagogues, there were no Pharisees, there were no Essenes, none of those things even existed. But they were these things that were created by, essentially by man, to try to preserve different pillars of of the the Israelite culture. Because as wars came in and you had to deal with the Babylonians and their influence, and then the Persians and the Medes, and, and, and then you had to deal with Roman government, like you had to begin to find out who are the people that are going to preserve our spiritual and national identity. So that created the Pharisees, that created the synagogues because they couldn't go to the temple to worship. Like it created these things um, that were there. So what you found is that people were loyal to some things that were created that had nothing to do with the original law or the Torah. It was more so these creations of pillars that were meant to preserve it. So you had the Pharisees who were completely at odds with the Sadducees, you had the Essenes who didn't want to have anything to do um, with the culture at all. And then you have like um, the zealots who wanted to fight against it. And so when you read all these things that take place um, and that 400 years of intertestamental, um, um, what they call like the 400 years before the Old Testament, New Testament, so to speak, that 400 years of silence, all those things are birthed. So now when you have somebody like John the Baptist come on a scene, they have seen over the years, inclusive of the Old Testament, where people have tried to rally and rise up with a new movement that end up being a cult or idolatry. And we can even read in the Exodus narrative where somebody's coming up with a new idea. Like that's the basically their version of a, of a golden calf. So in their minds, they are so literal, they're saying, No, this is how we understand scripture. This is what it means. So anything that came into the picture that was remotely different. They viewed that as like the golden calf, as far as they were concerned. Let's shut it down. Let's kill it. The Bible tells that if there's any false gods that we're supposed to deal with it, and I literally just think that the revelation of who Jesus was was so limited that they felt that they had to push back against it because they didn't want it to overtake their culture. And it's like, and and this is why I think sometimes the Pharisees get a bad rap. Like, far be it from me to have a violin for um, for that. But this is what I mean. Obviously, you and I, we are firm believers in in and, and Jesus. We are firm believers in the truth. But we can even say right now, like there are different doctrines and different theological approaches and different belief systems, even within the context of Christianity. So I have my beliefs, you have your beliefs, we're part of our church that has our beliefs. If somebody came in out of left field and said like, hey man, like, yeah, Jesus is cool, but um, technically he really didn't die. Like we would probably have a very strong reaction to that. Now, by all means, we're not going to kill nobody or anything. different time, different culture, but we are going to do our best to resist that because that is completely contrary to what we were raised understanding about it. That's kind of how they felt about it. The problem was, is that even when Jesus was here and he was revealing and showing them signs according to their scriptures, they refused to see it. So it was a choice, kind of like when it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. There are people who are just refusing to see the truth and that is the problem that we're seeing. But as far as like being very religious and doing your best to 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 walk in alignment with what you believe and then something that comes out of left field kind of hits you, yeah, it takes you off guard. There have been many seasons, man, where even in my own belief system that things have got introduced and I'm like, wait a minute, I've never heard that before. Like, I, I gotta research that, man. I'm not familiar with that. Like, it's, that's how jolting it is. So imagine being a Pharisee who's seen and noticed the story Of people wandering in the wilderness for forty years, and all the years of all the stuff, and God's judgment, and them being carted off into captivity, all the consequences of them falling into idolatry, they finally figure out that okay, I think we got a handle of it. And now this dude, Jesus, is coming up, and he's saying that he's God. Man, he's just a man. I know his dad. I know his mom. Like, what is he like? They were so literal that they just couldn't get past it. And I think that's why um, that's why there was so much pushback because they just couldn't get past the natural side and see the spiritual message that God was sending
0: yeah one of the one of the things that is is frustrating for me personally and something that i have to constantly fight against the frustration is the fact of the different denominations the fact of the different uh world views and points of view on the bible you know you would think that we're all reading the same thing we should all be getting the same thing out of it so for me personally i just always have to i, I kind of always have to look at the good side of it well mm-hmm. if this if this theologian or if if this denomination uh, was able to enlighten us on a certain area of mm-hmm. of our theology and our walk with Christ, like, well, amen, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. as opposed to, man, why are we why are we so different? Why are we not getting along in certain aspects of the walk? Does that make sense?
1: It makes perfect sense. And I think that's the key. and that's a mature way of processing it is realizing that, I think that everybody hopefully is is doing the best that they can. I think that we have more access to information now um, than we ever have before. I was raised with a very old school, uh, traditional flawed theological approach, but I understood where it came from. And that was, you never question God. Mm. Um, and so, and so what that did was if you were confused about something, you just couldn't ask questions. You just had to take it for what it was. But as I began to mature in my faith, I actually realized that questions are, they are like the breadcrumbs that lead you to growth. So once I realized that it's okay to ask questions and to pursue scriptures and to look at what um, scholars and theologians and people who understand languages that I'll never understand and how they interpret scripture, I can, it's okay to look at that stuff now and it helps to inform my understanding of what the original author's intent was when they actually wrote a passage that maybe I may be misquoting or taken out of context because I, I don't have a good handle on it. So, um, but back when I was coming in spiritually, it was like, the Bible's all you need. Well, yeah, it's all you need. And if we're looking at the actual word need, I believe that 100%. However, I have learned there are people who have exhaustively studied every aspect of the Bible, the culture and things that I'll never understand that mm-hmm. can help me to have better context of the Bible and the tone and the pace in which it was written that helps me to have a better understanding of it. So, so for me, I look at other denominations and I say, okay, well, I see how they got there. Um, and even if I don't agree with it, for me, it just comes down to, let's let's make sure that we just focus on the major things. Do we believe that Jesus is Lord? Do we believe in these, this idea that, that Jesus died and um, rose from the dead? And, and do we believe in the Holy Spirit? Like, I think there's these things that, that have to be the majors that there's some agreement on. And the rest of it, I think it's open for interpretation. Yes, I have strong convictions about a lot of this stuff, because I do believe that what you believe determines how you behave. But if we can find common ground on the biggest pillars within our faith, I think there's room for us to have conversations about some of the other things.
0: Yeah, there's a side of me that doesn't like that, because I feel like, well, if God's sovereign, then, you know, there is an answer. But there's also Mm the side of me that's, that's thinking, that's a little bit prideful. (laughs) You know what I mean? Let's, (laughs) let's just have a conversation about it. And let's, Mm -hmm. let's have a discussion. Let's talk back and forth. Some things that you bring up, I may you know, be able to chew on a little bit and actually mm-hmm. come out with a better understanding. So yeah. one, one thing, though, that you did touch on was, you know, the resources for that. And and one thing that was really cool about this past week's sermon was providing uh, the different scriptures for a, a section of the sermon that you, that you were speaking on. And we mm-hmm. actually had it on the video, you know, with, with different scriptures for someone mm-hmm. that maybe doesn't, have the background that you have and and the years that you have like what's a good way for someone to say hey i'm dealing with this where do i even begin in the bible you know like how do i even find scriptures that can that can relate to what i'm to what i'm going through or what i'm thinking
1: man that's that's good um i'm just gonna i'm gonna rewind time to what was the most helpful for me um, prior prior to all the technology that we have. So okay. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put myself out on a limb and say that I'm old enough to remember when there was no Google. So like when I got saved, that stuff, that wasn't a thing. There was no quick way to find a scripture. So the thing that helped me the most is I actually got a study Bible. And what that study Bible did, and it's so self-explanatory, it's more than just like, okay, here's the scriptures and verses, but it would have things in the footnotes, explanations leading into it. Um, those things radically, help me. And so what I began to do, and this was just a personal journey. um, And this uh, this isn't as sexy as like Google it and find someone who can give you all the answers, but this is what worked for me. So there probably is a shorter way to get here. But what worked for me is, man, I would have different highlights for different types of passages in my Bible. So I would have yellow for encouraging. I would have red if I felt like it was a Jesus redemptive thing. It was green if it was something else. It was blue for something else. And I just began to mark my Bible up with all these different um, colors. And and then for most study Bibles, they actually do have a topical thing in the back, like a, you can scroll to the back and see a specific topic that you're struggling with. But the Bible that helped me the most, and um, I've seen it in the store. In fact, when I was on my vacation a couple of weeks ago, I went to a, um, a Christian bookstore, which you know nowadays with everything being digital and just ordering stuff online, it was just really cool to just walk around and actually look at books and just see things. But Um, It's called a Thompson Chain, a Thompson Chain Bible. So what a Thompson Chain Bible is, it's essentially, um, if you can envision, it's a Bible and it's, let's say you're reading uh, Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, um, God created the heavens and the earth. As you're reading that on that line, to the margin to the left, it actually is highlighting, okay, maybe it says in the beginning, God created. So what you'll see is into the margin to the left, it'll say the word created and a number next to it. So you can scroll flip to the back of the Bible, and it'll show you everywhere in the Bible that it talks about God creating something. So what I would do is as I'm reading the Bible, and because the whole idea of Thompson chain, it was like literally showing you that the entire Bible was chained together, it was all linked together. So every passage had a number that connected to something else. And so bro, I spent years just reading passages and scrolling and flipping over and looking when I would see a reference to another scripture, I would go and look at it. So that's not necessarily the quickest way of doing it, but for a person who looks at their walk with God as a as a marathon and not a sprint, that's how I believe that you actually can build up um, a Rolodex of things that you can refer to that's actually in your soul instead of just things that are in your mind. So that's kind of some of the things I did. Now, nowadays we have a lot of resources that makes that a lot easier there's topical things that you can look at um, on things like the bible projects there's like i have a software program that is that like i could just type whatever i want in and it populates it so i use all those resources 100 percent um but just a good old-fashioned study bible and the one that i loved was a thompson chain that is how i began to really um find passages of scripture find themes in the scripture highlight things that i felt were really beneficial for me and um That was a game changer for me. So I think just finding resources that really work well for you. But the cool thing is making sure that whatever resource you have, that that doesn't become the source. Like it's like this is a tool that helps you to engage scripture. So uh, more often than not, if I'm reading something, even if I'm reading a book, like as a staff, we're all reading through a book together. If Mm -hmm. I see that a reference is a scripture, I'll stop. I'll actually go look that scripture up. I'll highlight it if I haven't highlighted it before. It's just taking the time to actually engage these things because for me, it's just putting a mental and spiritual bookmark in my soul of something that I can pull from later on when I need it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned the source, which um, kind of brings us to one of the points that that you talked about on Sunday was, was changing your source. And and I think, I think a lot of times, and during moments or seasons of uncertainty, we're trying to grab something just just to be able to have some sort of foundation, some sort of certainty, you know, and, and sometimes we mm-hmm. can grab the wrong sources. So I think what you said, like, even when it comes to studying the Bible, be careful, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, make sure that, that your source ultimately is, is the voice of God, even though what you're doing yeah. is is right and just in in studying Mm -hmm. God's word, but make sure first and foremost that that you're actually listening to the voice of God. And it's not just cognitive, but it's also heartfelt, you know?
1: Absolutely. I think, And that's, that's really important, man. I think what's important, kind of like what you just said, it's, it's so important that as we're looking at uh, different resources that are available to us, whether it be commentaries and other things like that. Yes, I, I'll, I'll look at commentaries. But I, it's really it's really a, a value of mine to kind of get a sense of, and and here's the thing: I realize that I'm pulling from over 20 years of walking with God, so I'm pulling from um, a well that I believe that kind of brings things to the surface when I'm reading Scripture. But what's important for me is making sure that I'm not looking to a resource to be the voice of God for me. I'm 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 typically going to get a sense of what I feel like God is saying, and then I will confirm and then study more through the resource instead of allowing the resource to become the source. Like that sounds so convoluted, but I'm hoping that people are catching what I'm saying. Like it's important for me to make sure that I'm hearing from God before I begin to listen to what man says about it.
0: Yeah. And even one of the quotes you said is being informed by what you see, but don't let what you see inform you or basically form inside of you. You know, that that was one of the main points of Sunday. Like, hey, be informed by these things and even good things like, Studying mm-hmm. the Bible, being informed by software yeah. and, and study Bibles and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, ultimately, what needs to form within you is Christ and the love of Christ and, and renewing of your yeah. mind through Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. One, one thing that I really I thought was great, but I myself even try and understand how to internalize this the best was. You said he conquered the things that keep us up at night so we can rest in him <laughs> now uh i get that you know i i, I get mm-hmm. that i understand that sometimes it's hard for me to look at maybe my personal situation and mm-hmm. internalize that or even live that out so what would mm-hmm. you say to like someone maybe they're facing job loss maybe they're facing you know themselves or family members who are sick or whatnot like we understand, yes. God, Jesus conquered that on the cross, but how does that how does that actually play into my daily life? Like, how do how do I truly hold on to that?
1: Yeah, dude. I think um, there's a couple of things. One, um, I'm an Enneagram Five, so um, as I'm learning more and more about what that means, and my daughter and um, Pastor Becca have been helping me understand more about myself. Um, but as an Enneagram Five, like I'm I'm very I'm very logical. So the logical side of it is, and it's not always easy. So by all means, like these are one of those things where it's a powerful statement. It's so, it's cool, it, you, can, you can tweet it. Putting it into practice is a whole right. other thing.
0: Right. Um,
1: so th- I, won't, I would never say that there, are th- there aren't things that I don't process through. There aren't things that literally may keep me up at night. That's not, the, that's not hopefully the, the point that I'm communicating. Because yes, I think as human beings, we're gonna have things that we process through. Um, conceptually, what I'm saying is, I realize that God is in control. And I've resolved that a long time ago when it comes to pretty much everything in my life. In fact, when it comes to everything in my life. So I have a faith that says, I know that God's in control. Now, what that doesn't mean is I completely detach and like, man, like, okay, the house is on fire. Man, God's got it. Let's go to sleep. Like, yet, yeah, like it's, it's, it's not like this ridiculous, like, okay, I don't engage it. I don't think through it and all that right. stuff. Um, So what I would say, practically speaking, is that it is having a theology that truly believes that that God is in control. That's a theological construct. I think the other thing that we hold on to that kind of gives me peace is that more often than not, now I think that we all are at different seasons and have different challenges, but more often than not, um, at least for myself, it's very rare that I'm dealing with something that's brand new, Um, Mm. even if it's just in principle. more often than not, it's something that I've probably walked through, dealt with, or there's some, some similarities to it. So often what I'll do is I then begin to look back at how God was faithful then. And so it's that's where the it becomes practical for me. So I've I've shared this story, you, you know, with our with our church before, but years ago, um, many years ago in fact, um, I got into a car accident and I wasn't able to work. And so provision was really tight. Uh, Megan was the only one who was working. It was just a tough season, my back was messed up. But as I as I think about that in real time, it was a crisis because like, how are we going to pay the light bill? How are we going to like, how are we going to survive this? It was so, it was so challenging. Um, but somehow, some way we got through it. Either God would like send people our way that would pay stuff for us. It was just ridiculous how each step of the way, God would somehow show up. Mm-hmm. Now, when I fast forward to where we are now, and when I consider, well, what does some of this stuff mean? And what about selling our house and some of these other things? Yeah, in and of itself, that's enough to give me some stress and anxiety. But then I'll pause and I'll say, have I ever dealt with a season where I felt like I needed God to provide for us before? Yes. Let me revert back to that. God, he did it before then. So I'm confident that God's going to do it again now. And that's what gives me peace and knowing that if God did it 20 plus years ago, then it's the same God. It's a different problem or a different season, different year, but same God. So that's kind of what helps me through it. And if there are things that literally do like literally keep me up at night instead of me stressing about it, I pray about it like that is something that I'll do like if I just can't sleep, I realize that okay, if I'm not sleeping i'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose I'm not gonna waste my lack of sleep on stress. I might as well pray about it and get some points for it like you're, if you're you're already up, I might as well pray about it instead of just like, yeah, I'm not gonna sleep, I'm gonna stress, and I didn't pray about it like at some point I might as well just at least pray. So at least God, I'm at least praying that counts, right? Like, so, so that's, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's literally how I process through it, man.
0: No, that's good. Um, for, and I think for someone who's even younger than I am and maybe doesn't have so many years under their belt or experiences or whatnot, I think that's where community is important. And I think that's where community with people who aren't in your demographic is important or yes. trying to trying to get to know people that are a little bit older and having people mm-hmm. that can speak into your life. You know what I mean? I, I think yeah. that's important as well. And, um, well, uh, another thing that, that you, that you hit on, that was, that was really good is there's no normal for us to get back to. Um, <laughs> and that, that just struck me in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before. Uh, I thought about it in the sense of like, man, when we go back, it's not going to be the same. Uh, Mm -hmm. Life's going to probably be different, but I never looked at it in the positive light. Like we really want to go back to how things were with divorce rates. Like we really want to go back to how things were with addiction and and all these Mm -hmm. other things. Like, man, that, that just struck me in a sense of our humanity, like how, Mm -hmm. how, how much sometimes we forget, like, wait a second a lot of the things that we want to get back to we just know like that's just how life is so we want to get back to it because it's comfortable when god maybe god's trying to say like hey i got a new thing for you if you would just ride this out a little bit and let me do something here like Mm -hmm. we can look on the other side of it and say man that was the best thing that ever happened in my life you know what i mean
1: for sure for sure i i kind of look at it like this and this is a this is an extreme example and all metaphors break down at some point, but this is kind of how I think of it. Like, I I look at it is we're in this pandemic and the world has slow it's, it's slowed down. We're at this place where we're seeing things and we're recognizing um, whether it be, whether it be injustice, whether it be divorce rates, like all these things that we're seeing now that maybe our busyness just would not have allowed us to really like zero in on. So, I'm like everybody else. I just, I would love to be able to comfortably go to the amusement park. I would love to comfortably be able to go back to doing the things like I'm used to doing. I would love for us to be able to go back to church as we were um, on Sundays. And I believe we will get back to that. Um, so that's that's not what I'm talking about. But what I was trying to do was use a turn of phrase and saying, but I believe that God is showing us some things. He's bringing clarity to some things that we actually need to address. So I kind of look at it like this. I remember um, years ago when... I went to the eye doctor and and bro, when I went, I didn't realize that my vision was bad. Like all this time, I'm thinking that this is just how the world looks, this is just what it is. And then when I finally have the lenses on, I'm like, good Lord, like, why was I driving a car? Like, how was I able to function like this before? So for me, it's almost like, if God is revealing things to us right now and we're seeing things more clearly than never, why would we wanna go back to like, now I'm gonna leave these classes on the shelf and let me just get back out here. Like, no, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we've seen too much for us to wanna just go back to the way that it was. Let's bring that clarity with us. So that way we can actually begin to fix some of these things that God is showing us. So that's what I mean by that. Like, I think that God's showing us some things let's, let's do something about it.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's, that's along the lines of kind of what agitated people about Paul too, because they were like, Mm -hmm. they didn't see, they didn't see God working through that, you know? And they were just Mm -hmm. like, no, no, what what are you talking about? You know, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's nonsense. So that kind of, full circles that whole conversation about like, why, why were people so upset about it in the first place? You know? So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. That's interesting. For me. Yeah, um, me.
0: What, uh, is, is there anything else maybe that you wanted to touch on that maybe you, you, time didn't permit or, or you didn't have, you didn't have adequate time to prepare before, but now something maybe has come, come to surface through this or, or, or what, what do you think of it?
1: Yeah, I think for me it's um different messages that there's like uh there's like a reservoir for different ones. This one um it was packed with a lot and I'm I'm aware of that, but I think what, what really if I had more time, I would really spend I would spend it talking about the lightening up part. When I when I shared the point about like how they they tried to hoard and keep, they made decisions they didn't listen to what Paul was saying initially. Um just that whole segment of how like they decided to listen to the owner and a pilot, and in that tension of, um, of of wisdom versus logic. So I'm, a, I'm a, here's a, here's a after the message nugget. This is a, okay. this is like this 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 is an exclusive. Okay. So more often than not, um, Nate, you'll find you can actually re- you can like run the tape and look at this. More often than not, in my messages, there's at least going to be one reference to something that that's in tension to one another. So for this, it was logic versus wisdom. So that's a little nugget. So you'll notice if you go back and listen to other stuff, there's always like a, this versus this and how to make distinctions between the two things. More often than not, I'm not able to give as much time to those things because those are just like supporting thoughts, but I'm trying to get to the rest of everything. Mm-hmm. But for me, in all sincerity, like the idea of, of our logic versus wisdom and 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 where does those like, yeah, we want to rely heavily on what we know and and logic and all those things, but, but what part does wisdom play in our life? Like, that's something that I probably would have um, loved to explore a little bit more. And so what I'll say to that is like, with Paul being a person who had all these experiences, um, who has this incredible like knowledge, but then also this wisdom. So knowledge is just what you know, wisdom is putting it into practice. So logic mm-hmm. is what you know, but wisdom is putting it into practice. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times we have a lot of wisdom, we have a lot of logic, but we don't actually use wisdom and putting it into practice, which is kind of like a lot of what Proverbs is about. It's like wisdom and application. We have to do something with it. So I would have probably would have built a little bit more tension and spending some time talking about what are those things where we find ourselves listening to other sources that are very knowledgeable, that may be very logic driven, but we're not listening to wisdom in our life. Um, And so that's something that I think is um, that's worth exploring a a little bit more, but also getting down to when you kind of connect the dots and get down to later on in the passage where it talks about um, how they had to lighten up. So they end up throwing things overboard. So literally, when you actually understand the process of why they decided to like, no, we don't want these these crops to go bad. We don't want to we don't want to delay getting paid all the things that they were trying to preserve. They ended up actually having to throw overboard. So you'll, you can see it kind of come in full circle. The things that we thought we needed to keep, we end up having to throw overboard anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's just showing us like this this tension of like, okay, what I find valuable may actually be holding me back. But if I could find value in wisdom, that may be the thing that actually moves me forward. So I think that's the thing that um, I would want to encourage everybody with. Like, yes, like be educated, use your logic, use your knowledge, but wisdom is putting the things into practice. And what I think Paul was trying to do is show full circle, like, the things that you were trying to preserve, you ended up having to throw off anyway. So now my question is, what are the things that we're trying to hold on to now? Because our head tells us that we're supposed to, right. but wisdom is saying, like, actually, we need to let go of these things if we can grab a hold of what God has for us.
0: Yeah, that's great. Maybe we should just maybe we should just preach a sermon on that then. Logic hey, versus man. wisdom. Here we go. 45 minutes, go. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, don't you tempt me. you know I'll go. <laughs> I know you will. Thanks so much, Pastor Keith. Uh, This was awesome. And there's a lot of things that I still want to kind of, you know, dig in and and, and uncover for myself. And I think that's the great thing about, you know, this conversation is it kind of brings those things to the light and, oh, maybe I should look into this a little bit more, you know, and and Mm -hmm. so appreciate it.
1: No, thank you, man. You're doing a wonderful job with this, brother. Thank you so much, man. I love these conversations, man. I can't wait to come back and hang. Sounds good. All right, brother. Have a good day. You too, man. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org.